We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. I made up a joke this morning um, from my t-shirt. What does Boris Johnson and an atom have in common? (laughs) They make up everything. Boom, boom. Seriously, though. um, what I want to talk to you about is about having a good heart. And the relevance of that is that Rishi Sharma made a statement, Rishi, sorry, Rishi Sunak made a statement um, after Boris had resigned to say that Boris had a good heart. And I thought, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a good heart? Does it mean that he means well? I mean, he had... He, he was in an adulterous relationship in 2008 while he was mayor of London. Um, so I'm not commenting on his quality as a prime minister. Um, and there is some questions about his integrity, but he meant well. His heart was what he wanted best for the country. And does it mean to have a good heart that we actually mean well? As long as I mean well, as long as I have good intentions, you know, my purposes are good then a few indiscretions along the way don't actually matter very much. So I thought, let's see, what does the Bible say about having a good heart? And um, a verse that kind of popped out of me is in, in the parable of the sower, where the sower is distributing the seed. So some fell on rocky ground, some fell on um, ground where the birds took it away. Some fell on the ground um, where the thistles came up and and, 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 and and strangled it all out, and the plants didn't grow. Um, but some of it fell um, onto ground and it grew out. And what Jesus actually says about the ground where the, where the seeds actually grow and develop and its fertile soil is that the soil is people that who have heard the word with a noble and good heart keep it and bear fruit with patience and somebody that and what does that mean why why noble and good okay so a noble heart is a heart where we are it's the greek word is kalos i looked it up so i looked it up um it means we're morally good and honest outwardly seem to be good and honest not just not just basically on the inside but actually People look at the person and so they're, they're morally good and they're morally honest. Um, the other word good actually means it's intrinsically good. In other words, it is good. It looks good because it is good. And a good-hearted person is one that actually looks good or, and is good or is good and looks good. So make your own decisions about whether boys has a good heart okay we can't make those judgments because only god knows our hearts so what is the evidence of having a good heart the first one is that a person who is nourished by the word of god so when we hear the word of god it, it changes it does something in our lives um, we are somebody that is we're fertile soil 
for, for when, when God speaks. We don't, it doesn't get lost, it doesn't get dismissed, but it actually produces something in us. It's a person who is fruitful. And what does it mean to be fruitful? Well, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is what the Bible talks about fruit. But I kind of think I want to put those together in a bracket, and it actually is one bracket. So actually, a fruitful person is one that becomes more like Jesus. It bears fruit because we become more like Jesus. I was talking to, what does it actually look like? I was talking to Oleg yesterday. Hi, Oleg. I'm assuming you're there. Um, he's the Ukrainian guy who, um, uh, he went back about six weeks ago. He came for a month and he went back for six weeks. And he kind of felt that God... Was, it was God's timing for them to go back at that particular point. Um, but when I was talking to him yesterday, there were things that God, through the circumstances and the situations they faced, and through things that, that, that God have been said to them, that, uh, that he's been pondering in his heart, things that, that actually about what's happening in his life. And he's seeing that God is saying something to him, um, I hope you'd like to share this, Oleg. I'm not going to go into detail. Um, but he's seeing something that's actually going to cause him or could cause him to make some major life-change decisions. And that, to me, is what it means for the word to bear fruit. That, that when, when God puts us into a circumstances or a situation and God speaks to us, what is it that, that God is producing in our hearts and producing in our lives? How do we respond to it? We can either just shut down or we always ask the question, God, what are you saying to me at this point? God, what are you telling me? What, what do you want me to learn from this circumstance and situations? If you're good-hearted, there's a, re a responsiveness to the word of God. Or what we can do is we can just um, move on, get frustrated, get resentful and bitter. We can talk about that later. So a good-hearted person is somebody who embraces what God is saying. Um, the verse actually says, that, um, just go back to that verse, that the person with a good heart, they keep it, and they bear fruit with patience. So it isn't something, it's not an instant thing. There's something about the word being dug down deep. We have to bury it and allow it to produce something in us. And it left me with a question. What are you doing with the word of God in your life? Um, last week, I won't ask you to put your hands up, but last week John said to us, you know, Hugh came and spoke, and he says, I want you to listen to it again. How many people have done that? How many have actually listened again to what Hugh said? I can say that because I did, um, <laughs> with integrity. But actually, because I did, God spoke to me again. There were things which highlighted and came out of it. And, and actually, now I'm processing those things. And the word of God was John's word, listen to it again. That listened to Hugh's word and, we, and it produced fruit and it's producing fruit slowly in our lives and in my life and, and sisters I'm going to pause for a minute and just ask you what do you do or what are you doing with the word of God in your life when God speaks to you what do you do with it two minutes talk to the person next to you One. three ideas one person what do you do with the word of God in your life when God speaks to you, yes. Okay, discuss it with the family member. Is that personal family or church family? Personal family, yeah? Chew it up for a long, long 
Yes. Okay. Anything else? I see how we can action it. Okay. Share it with other people. Yeah, yeah. People around you. Good. Yeah. Anything else? No. Okay. I mean, those basic things I was going to suggest um, is that we we look for opportunities to share it with one another. We talk to one another about it. Talking about what you're thinking and what God is doing in your life is really quite important because what it does, it opens up your heart to other people. And then other people can start what we call secondary illumination. They can add things in, things you might, might not be seeing. Because if I'm processing it on my own, then, then the way I process it is from my perspective and my life view. But if I talk to somebody else about it, for somebody that I trust, obviously, and respect, then, then, then they, they will help me to develop it. Um, the other thing, actually, is to pray it. And pray it on your own. Pray it in in another meeting. I mean, I'm, I've kind of, I can't stop going to governmental prayer now because I've been going for so many years, it's a habit. Um, I feel, you know, I mean, you just, just have to go. But, um, you know, to be there and to get hold of what the Word of God is saying to us at the church and actually declare it and praying into it helps to process it in me. Often things bounce back as I'm praying in that corporate setting, whether when I'm praying or, or God will speak to me or somebody else will be praying something, and it bounces back. And, and, and being in a corporate setting where we get hold of the word of God and we pray into it personally, and then we pray into it corporately is, is, is a way in which we can actually, God helps us to actually process it. But somehow we need to be fertile soil, soil where the word of God, when it comes, we don't just let it drift, but we actually dig it deep into our lives. Let it, let it over, over time begin to produce something new and fresh in us. So what is a good heart? A good heart is someone that loves the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And Jesus adds, love your neighbor as yourself. And someone with a, with a good heart will be hungry for the word of God. Um, you'll be ready to dig deep to bury it in your life so it becomes part of you. Um, there'll be a softness and, and, and a responsiveness to his direction and his leading. When he speaks, we hear him and we're sensitive to those little nudges, those things that he says to us, um, and, and a readiness to change direction. It's a position that we take. God, I'm, I'm open to hearing what you say, and when you speak to me, um, I'm ready to respond and do those things. And, and even if we get it wrong to a certain extent, um, if our heart is right in that sense, if it's a responsive heart to God, then, then I think it's the right position to be. And of course, we will also be, if we love God, we can't love God without loving one another. So that is an expression of God, um, God's word to us. 1 John 2 verse 5 says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So how do we know if our heart needs to change? Now, it's not a black and white situation. 
you know, there is a process, and as, as our hearts are soft towards God, He will begin to identify areas in our hearts and our lives that need to change. Um, the first thing will be a lack of responsiveness to God. If we're, there's a hardness, and God speaks, and we don't respond. Um, an example of that was Pharaoh. God says he had a hard heart, and he wouldn't let the Israelites go because and listen to Moses when God spoke. So, and it is possible to shut certain areas in our lives. You know, there's a no-go areas. We have no-go areas in our lives. We don't discuss those areas anymore. It can happen in marriage relationships. You know, we, we'll get on lovely, but we won't talk about this one because we know if we do, it's going to cause a problem. Um, and it can be like that with God. You know, God, I will, I will, we will negotiate with God and I will do this and I will do this, but don't ask me to go and live in Zimbabwe or, you know, don't ask me to go and move into Dagenham. I live in Redbridge, you know, of course. Um, but, but, uh, but, you know, we, we have these, these areas we want let God, God moving in our lives on. Um, the other thing, maybe, we may be motivated by the need of approval from other people. You know, the thing that drives us. Now, I'm not talking about, um, it could be, it could be an ongoing thing, but I'm talking about something which is deep. Uh, it was somebody years ago that was with us, and they were part of us, they involved, they served very close in. And then one day they just left. And several years later, we came back and had a conversation and they said that, um, Basically, they were, what they were chasing was pursuing this particular relationship with somebody they were trying to connect with. When they finally did connect with them, it just fell apart. But suddenly that person is still not pursuing God. But it, it's something that can really get hold of us. And um, if we are chasing approval, because what, what's my scriptural basis for that? Um, Romans 2.29 says, and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God not from people. So this is what the Bible says. It's not me making it up. Um, it's something that God puts in our hearts and, 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 and that our pursuit always is to, to, to pursue him and get our approval from him if we have a right heart with him. And the, the other thing is, what am I saying? Um, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the thing you talk about the most is probably the thing that's in your heart. I think the thing that, that's impacted, when this really impacted me, I was driving back from somewhere, we were on a holiday somewhere, I think, with Sue, and Sue made some comment. And I was spoken really strongly to her. And I was going along and I said to her, why didn't I respond to you like that? Why, why did that? Was not, it wasn't an appropriate response. It was an unnecessary response. And, and it just made me pause and think, what is it that was in me at that point of time that was causing me to respond aggressively to somebody I love um, a lot? And, and why would I do that? And, and I think sometimes if we, some, when things come out of our mouths, then that exposes something in us. How we deal with that, it's okay because it's exposed it. What we do with what God exposes, it brings it into the light. We can give it to God and God will deal with it and take it away. So it doesn't make us bad. What it actually does is exposes something that needs to be cleaned up. And it brings an opportunity. But if you've got a good heart, then that's how you deal with it. That when it comes out, then you will respond to it and you will give it to God. 
um, because your heart is soft and ready to hear what he's saying. So what are the things that affect our hearts? Um, unforgiving, not forgiving. If we in a situation that we don't forgive in Matthew, just read this passage, Matthew 5. But I'll tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, if there's a position of unforgiveness or not forgiving or bitterness or this anger. Now, when we say anger, it's unjustified anger the Bible talks about. You can be angry, but what you do with your anger is the right response. But if you're angry with somebody and you're carrying that anger, then that is something which if it rests there, will cause hardness and it comes between us and God. That's what the Bible says. If we're living in um, not forgiving someone, it becomes a barrier between us and our relationship with God. The other one is disappointment. Um, hope deferred makes the heart sink, um, the Bible says in Proverbs. If, it, if, if something doesn't go the way we expect it to go, we can move into disappointment. And therefore, that we put the shutters down. I'm not going there again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to try that again. I'm not going to pursue that kind of relationship again um, because if I go there, then, you know, I, I might get disappointed and I get hurt and therefore my heart needs to be, my heart becomes hardened in that particular way. And we just lived obviously in disappointment at the moment. How we handle that, it's a right to be disappointed. How we respond to that is what matters. Um, Pride. Bible talks a lot about pride. Um, being very strongly about it. In fact, God almost strikes people down when they become proud. Um, Deuteronomy 8.14 says, Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So, you know, pride is a funny thing. I, 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 I kind of... Somebody said, a very faithful friend who's sitting in here at the moment said to me once, so I, something I, I did, I, something I presented, and they came up to me and said, that was really good, thank you. And I didn't say anything. And they said, well, you might at least acknowledge it and say thank you for it. And I thought, well, why didn't I say thank you in that circumstance? Why didn't I do that? And it, it's almost because I'm holding it, I, I was proud of what I'd done secretly, and by giving thank, by acknowledging, well, saying thank you for that, I was actually, in a sense, acknowledging something that God was God had done. It's a funny, subtle thing, but it was like I was like keeping the door closed because I was keeping it to myself. This is something I've done. I've done well. That's great. But the minute I say thank you for acknowledging it, it somehow brings it out into the open, and it allows God. And what I'm saying is thank you. Um, and they're thanking God, and therefore I'm joining them in thanking God. It's a bit convoluted, but there's just something about pride in the way that we respond, the way we, which actually gets in the way. It, it, God is quite precious about his glory and his name. And, you know, giving thanks to him for what he's done and acknowledging him 
is the way that our hearts stay soft. We talk about it all the time, being thankful, giving him praise, worshipping him. It's a way in which we keep our hearts soft before him. So, how do we change our hearts? Well, only God can change our hearts. Um, Ezekiel 11, verse 18 says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will move from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Romans 2, 29, Not a tr no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of law, rather it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. Something only God can do in our lives. So how do we get a good heart? We ask God. That's the first thing. God, change my heart. You know, show me the things in my life that need to be changed. But secondly, I think... Um, I like this verse, verse 20, verse 5. It could be interpreted in two ways, um, and it is. It's translated in two ways, a bit like what she was talking about. Um, the the, the uh, NIV and the New King James put a different focus on it. But the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. So one way of interpreting it is that, that actually you get alongside someone to find what God's good, what's good in them and get their wisdom and you extract it from them. The other way in which I'm going to use today is that what in our hearts is deep. Our purposes are deep. Only God really knows our hearts, the direction of our hearts and where we're going. Um, but if we are making, putting ourselves alongside people and making ourselves vulnerable, then the Holy Spirit will anoint people that will see the things in our lives that are expressing a wrong heart, a hardness of heart, and help us to see those things and encouraging us to change. So there is a trusted friend who will help me to see what I need to be changed. I have a very trusted friend in Sue, and she's very quick to show me and things come out of my mouth which are not expressing um, God's heart. And, and, um, and we, but we all need, we need people like that around us. That's why we believe in relationship and we believe in community. Having a right heart, therefore, is, is really significant in terms of knowing um, the power and the purpose of God. I want to just finish with one story and then sometimes it's a process we've talked about like kind of the where god speaks to us and we process it with patience over time sometimes god will just deal with things that are obstructions very quickly and uh, we were on a, a do last weekend there's been so many of them now you can't possibly identify who the person is um but um we there was a word that came and it was about things that were, were kind of obstructions in people's lives and preventing them from embracing God's heart for, for them. And this person went away and um, afterwards they said, we'll, we'll have some feedback. So we came back and this person didn't speak for a while because they weren't the person that said a lot. And then suddenly they, they, they started to share and they said they spent the whole time in their room in tears because God had just downloaded a load of stuff which they'd all written down. And then God just, as they wrote it down, just God released them from it. And I know for facts that that person 
has changed dramatically um, and been released from one situation to a completely new, unrecognizable because of what God did in their lives at that point in time. So the reason I'm showing that is just I think there's just two things. You know, there's a position in my heart where I need to be opening to God, soft to God. God, change my heart that I may be responsive to your word and hear your word. And there may be actions that we need to take. But sometimes the change can be dramatic as well. And then the Holy Spirit could just meet with us and free us up and release us into new encounters and new experiences of himself. So, come to the end of my notes. Um, my question was, are you ready to ask God to soften your heart? To be softened? To listen to his voice? And when things come, become tough, there's a verse in Deuteronomy about God saying, clinging on to him. Be patient in the bearing of fruit. You know, being waiting. Actually, one, one, that verse in, um, in Luke about the sower, one of the verses, versions actually translated that, translate that as clinging on to God, cling on to him. Are you ready to do that? Um, if we do, then we're going to respond to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK. Thank you.